Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence. Through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. And we're back. Sorry, that's a little energetic. Um, I was I was trying to do my best Tony interpretation, you know, in regards to how we welcome people here on the Larkcast. I today am your host Russ, and with me my co-host Jameson, also from the Lark team. Hello, Jameson. What's up? How are you? Doing just fine. I noticed a, I noticed you got a, a Cubs hat on today, man. I got a new hat. It's uh. I'm helping coach my son's baseball team, so he's the Cubs, and uh, he gets to go hang out on the Iowa Cubs baseball field in a couple weeks. So right. I'm looking the part, man. Dude, this is this is good, man. You got like the like the just the casual dad T-shirt. You've got the the hat that matches not just the team that you love, but the team that your son now plays for in Little League. Yep. Got the coffee cup. You got those white New Balances too. No, just wearing socks. <laughs> what about when you coach them, man? You ain't going out there in socks, bro. You wearing New Balances? Come on. No, I Nobody's got my Reeboks just, on, Just man. me and you talking here. It's, it's Reeboks. You don't got to bust <laughs> me like that. <laughs> oh, man. I remember when I started coaching Little League back in the day. <laughs> I um, This is actually ironic, but also true and very humorous. Looking back on this, it was... uh. 20 years ago, first year uh, Blake played baseball. I was a coach. I was young, but for some reason, I dressed like I was old, bro. And um, I actually had the white New Balances, bro, on the field. True story. Got to save again, the knees just, and save the back. <laughs> just between us. Just between us. Right. This isn't going public. <laughs> no, no. Well, guys, today you're in for a treat. Because um, not only do you have me, but you now also have Jameson for this conversation. Tony is taking a little break, a little, little much-needed vacation with the fam this week. Hope he's enjoying that. And um, we've been in a series that if you've been following along, you know this. But if you're new and first to the LARCast, welcome. Um, the series that we're in right now, we're just calling it what it is. We, we, it, was, it was really easy to name this one because it came from a phrase we constantly hear a phrase that we've often used over the years in regards to other people coming to us with some news of freedom. And it's that, yeah, but <laughs> sort mm -hmm. of phrase that comes out of our mouths in regards to when we hear the goodness of what God's actually like, when we hear stories, parables, right? When we hear these various things that Jesus taught and what he accomplished and how the apostle Paul and Peter and John, right? Go and reflect on these things. When you let them say what they're saying, it is, dude, it's just, let's just be honest, it's scandalous, right? It's, it's reckless, this grace that we're, that we're seeing. And it's everything we've ever needed and therefore everything we truly long for. But it is at war with just the human nature and love of control. And so unless you grabbed onto this freedom, you can't help but come back with a yeah, but in regards to it. 
And I think that's where a lot of people get hung up. I've been doing this. I'm just going to go ahead and say this. It's been almost a decade now since I left pastoring and planting uh, what we would consider like conventional church. Okay. And stepped into this ministry of helping people grab on to the freedom of Jesus without the religious red tape, helping people learn how to be the church, right? Where they are through the simplicity of friendship. I know it's a novel idea, but I stole it from Jesus. And this has been a work for, for a decade now. And for a decade, I have watched the yeah, buts almost, not almost, absolutely, eventually crush people mm -hmm. over and over and over and over. People from across the U.S. and beyond who have grabbed on to freedom, started to live into it. But then that Christian religious subculture around you, right, comes armed with, yeah, but, and so that's what we've been diving into. And that's what we're getting into today. Jameson, bro, you've got a humdinger, man. You're up, just going ahead and throwing you in the lineup, making you the leadoff batter, and not even going to apologize. So we're no in. Pun intended. Today, I like man? that. First Peter, right? We're in first, second Peter. Second Peter. Second yep. Peter. And we're dealing with a text that often gets brought up. As I've already said, right, in regards to this announcement of freedom in Jesus by way of Jesus. And, dude, take it away, man. Let's read this text. Let's dive in. Yeah, so when a lot of conversations we have, whether it's on the phone or sitting face-to-face -face with people, um, there's this it's-too-good-to-be-true thought that goes through their mind, which leads them to respond to whatever. We're usually talking about grace. We're usually talking about how much God loves you how impossible it is for you to change that. Right. And they'll right. say, well, yeah, but aren't you supposed to go and like, just like it says in Peter, um, make every effort to support your faith with, and then there's this long list. And it's the mm. idea in their head is no, I, God can't accept or love me if I'm not making every effort to do all of these things. Um, and it derails their acceptance of good news. They can't seem to accept the other things the New Testament says about Jesus because of verses like this. So um, I'll read the whole text here. There's, it's a short paragraph. So it's verses five through 11 in second Peter chapter one. And obviously you got to know the context. So if you need to go ahead and read the rest of the book, it takes about 10 minutes. Um, here it is verse five. For this very reason, you must make every effort to support your faith with goodness and goodness with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with endurance and endurance with godliness and godliness with mutual affection and mutual affection with love. That is one of the most beautiful and popular verses you'll hear. It's, it's cool. For if these things are yours and are increasing among you, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, for anyone who lacks these things is nearsighted and blind and is forgetful of the cleansing of past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more eager to confirm your call and election. For if you do this, you will never stumble. 
For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be richly provided for you. There's your humdinger. You got Peter dropping in here. Apparently, all of this make every effort stuff is the way that you gain entry into the eternal kingdom. And there are no qualifications. He just says it outright. Um, mm. So I guess here's a good kickoff question <laughs> for you, Russ. Um, right, row. Ne- the never stumble part. How How does that... Uh, you never stumble, right? No, man. I'm, I mean, not like most people do. I've always <laughs> been... Always in in some ways, man. I've always been like up and to the right on the yeah. graph, consistent. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't stumble. I maintain that, and it's because I make every effort. I make every effort, man, to prove to people that my faith in Jesus is genuine, and I do this by producing good works. And it's it's what it's what Jesus saved me for, man. Or at least that's what I was told. And all this, um, naturally, if you're like, if you're new to the podcast, I'm being completely facetious right now. No, dude, I stumbled. <laughs> so um, if we just take this paragraph at face value, yeah, every you're, you're every, out. every day, yeah. <laughs> and it's you know, even in your, especially in your minds, man, right? Like, this is let's just be honest here. If if, if everybody around you knew like what ran through your mind. <laughs> You, you might find yourself uh, a little a little more alone in life, but it's yep. just true, right? We're we're frail people, man. Yeah, and so, rightfully so, I think this text sets up a pretty significant humdinger, as you called it earlier for us, of like, well, what do we do with this? Because that's yeah. that's not even unclear. It just says it outright in this way entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be richly provided to you. So I'm going to so drop... the Bible contradicts a... itself. Is I'm just saying, like, this is immediately what starts to rush through your mind. Yep. You're looking at this and going, okay, in regards to all that Jesus has done and declared, I mean, you're talking about a passage here that seems to be in contrast to not just all the parables Jesus told, but the entire Gospel of John. All the Gospels, yes. Yeah. Now throw in Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians, Colossians, right? Like that's in contrast with these. And so you're mm-hmm. again, I get why the tension and I get why the fear. And I even understand why someone would grab onto this in view of a the the journey before you is to live in trust of what Jesus has done, not to go yeah. and try to become something you're not. I get why someone would hear that and go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. No, eternal life is granted to those who make every effort to fill in the blank, second Peter. Yep. But here's my thing. We know this verse isn't in contrast. We know the Bible doesn't contradict itself. And so there's the invitation, man, for you to unpack this a little for us, because just in hearing you read it, man, like I get the tension. Yeah, totally. So where do we go? I man? mean, when it comes to oh shit books in the Bible, this is number one or two. <laughs> so <laughs> uh James is probably the other one. <laughs> I almost I almost spit out my coffee. <laughs> go ahead. 
Yeah, like right, that's the ahead. feeling you get because if you just got done, if you just got saved or whatever, you just prayed the prayer, whatever your experience is or how you accept accepted Jesus, and you start studying and say you're six months in and you get to this part, you're probably pretty yeah. excited at the beginning. You're like, yeah, yeah, we could do mm-hmm. this. And then life happens and you start to see the disparity between this list and your life. And it's not up and to the right. <laughs> and I have talked yep. to people, and you have too, probably, Russ, who've told me, bold-faced, full, straight on. They're like, yeah, I totally am up and to the right. I am doing these things. And they wind up having the same kind of perspective of other people as the Pharisee in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And Jesus yeah. was not unclear about that situation. So you, we do have to hold these things in tension. I'm not going to say there's no contradiction. We'll talk about that later. I think that the contradiction shouldn't scare us. That's what I need. I think we need to deal with. It's like, look, this Bible has been handed to us on purpose. Maybe the question when we see a contradiction or an apparent contradiction, the, the question shouldn't be the how good is our Bible? The question should be, okay, then what do we do with this? <laughs> What's God yeah. saying to us? What is this text trying to do? And so that leads you into this question of, well, what's Second Peter about? And when you look at the, the thing as a whole, Second Peter is a quick refutation, a refuting of false teaching. The, the whole point of this letter being written from apparently Peter, probably not Peter, probably one of his disciples or somebody who knew him really well. And again, that doesn't make it good or bad either, right? But this is written as a reaction most likely against people that are misusing Paul's teaching on grace. Okay. <laughs> so right. you've got Paul and it set Peter quotes him directly and says, you guys have heard this stuff from Paul and it's, you know, it's complex and it's scandalous, but the freedom in Christ that he's talking about, isn't something you're supposed to go and use as your new hall pass for just doing anything you want in life. That's Peter's right. point. And the false teachers, there's a couple of key things they're doing that's so important for us to understand. They're they're basically saying two things. Number one, hey, the return of Christ actually probably won't come in our lifetime. Like they were all anticipating it right then in their lifetime. These guys are starting to say, not only are we not expecting it in the near future, we're not even expecting it. So they're starting to 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 tamper with with the confession right. of the apostles which is a problem why second peter's like ah, we're gonna have to deal with this but in light of that they're saying so that's why it doesn't matter we can go do whatever we want we can we've been free made free in christ so that we can go sin on purpose is kind of the crude way of saying it um and yeah that's a problem like no that's not what freedom is for and paul agrees with peter on that one and we'll get to that so there's the first element right there's this eschatological end times what's going to happen and when it all goes down in the future thing like that's the frame of of second peter so and i think we can all relate to that <laughs> we've all been mm. right thinking about yeah dude how do what does my behavior mean and how does it matter? And 
how does my behavior matter in light of Jesus who promised to reconcile or did reconcile all things and said he is renewing all things. Yeah. Especially if you're like living in a time where you have this ticking clock and you're fearful of the moment that, right. That, that Jesus is coming and man, you better be ready. Yeah. My early days of pastoring before I started planting churches was in the Bible belt. So I'm in the Asheville area, North Carolina. And it was during the whole like left behind series days. If anybody can, you know, remember yep. any of that. I mean, that was like huge in the church world. Right. And everybody was studying revelation. Everyone was studying like in times, everyone had their theories and their charts and like when he's coming back and blood pressure and, disorders. And <laughs> Oh dude, it was, it was for real, man. So yep. I'm just saying like, there's the natural, like anyone can sort of identify with like, Yes, there is real life and real things happen and w we die and man, am, am I going to be ready? But then the, you compound that with this, you know, end times fear. And then of course, like in Peter's day, right? He's dealing with people who are sort of in and out on that whole idea. And anyways, my point is it just, it creates a conundrum that I think we can all identify with. Yep, exactly. And maybe so that's where does he why go with it? in our text, right? Um, and why it stayed in our text. So mm -hmm. Peter works from end times, right? His concept is, well, what happens in the end determines how we live now. Well, right. he's working from what Jesus said. Jesus said a whole lot of things that are really incredible and unbelievable about raising all people <laughs> um, and things like that. So I mean, some people. Um, I think, you know, the no, Greek <laughs> for all is it's all <laughs> really it's, it's a comprehensive definition <laughs> um, no, I, I know right I, I was just playing that person that you know was in the room when these conversations happen well all doesn't really mean you know no all. that it's and like, that, well, actually 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 it does <laughs> so no I mean going. I had somebody say to me recently you know we had that exact interchange and they're pressing back on that like no and I said wait so this verse that says all <laughs> are you saying to me it doesn't mean all actually because if that's true then all the other alls in the six verses ahead of it must also be less than all and you can't do that because it says all things were created in christ are you going to go ahead and tell me that you disagree with all the apostles on that one and the guy's like mm. well based on your definition of all then these other three verses are a lie and these are three verses that talk about hell and i was like there again, when you see things that don't exactly line up perfect in your rational brain in scripture, mm -hmm. if you sit there and decide, well, then you have to be wrong on the all thing. I'm like, I think we're getting this all kind of backwards. <laughs> I'm going to work from these grand sweeping statements of Jesus and work towards the other ones. I, I can't interpret Jesus through hell. That's just an that's a non-starter. You're going to get nowhere with that. And I don't think the New no. Testament will let you do that. So mm. that's part of what Peter's reckoning with right here is like they're trying to figure out how are we going to be okay. So he's got this church or churches he's writing to. And I think Peter's longing for this people to experience the joy of life lived 
in light of the promises. So if you go back a little earlier in this paragraph before what I read, verse four, it talks about these promises. And it says that his divine power has given us everything. There's another big word that's needed for life and godliness through the knowledge, the knowing, and that's an intimate, not a rational thing of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. That's where this paragraph started. Mm. (laughs) So I'm like, man, Peter's heart is bleeding for them to experience the life of rest and faith, the life of what it means. Here's how I put it down this way. One day we're all going to finally see and experience what has always been true all along, that we are safe and secure in the embrace of an uncondemning father and creator. Okay. Pete, I think Peter knows that. I think Peter's working from that. He's not trying to throw a threat down here so that you can get your way into those blessings. So what we it's already been given everything, you know, it's like right there in the text. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. But it is no life to walk around sinning on purpose thinking that's good, that's what will fill you, that's what will satisfy you. Peter knows that that will not do it. It's not going to cut it. You're you're going to experience a living hell when you live that yeah. way. So, yeah. of course, he's going to call us out for being stupid and saying, no, I am going to go ahead and kick dogs. I'm going to steal from my neighbors. I'm going to cheat on my spouse i'm going to do all of these things because i can now like it's actually okay now it's been taken care of it's good i'm gonna go do it that's reversing the psychology of all of it and it peter's like no (laughs) you guys that is not what scandalous grace does for you you're actually even pointing to like the absurdity of it exactly you know like this it's it's absurd it's uh you know as capon says like we don't put our you don't put your face or you know in a meat slicer because it's dumb and it's painful yeah it's de- it's destructive and it's the same thing with this like to to say that well let's be fearful that people are going to go run and do things in the name of grace you know if we let grace out of the bag for what it really is like it just doesn't make any it doesn't make any sense and again i think peter like you're saying he's pointing to not just the backwards logic of that, but also to the absurdity that would flow from that line of thinking. Like life's not going to go well for you if you think this is what freedom's for. Yep. It doesn't mean that you're not free. It doesn't mean that you're not loved. It just means you're you're acting like an ass. <laughs> and, and, it, and it's going to bite you in the ass. You're not going to enjoy it. <laughs> right. All things considered. You will regret it. Here's a fun fact, and this is important for this letter. This book was written before the Gospels, and there's no evidence in this book that this author is even familiar with the books of the Gospels, okay? Mm. Not unfamiliar with the stories or Jesus, of course. Allegedly, this dude's an apostle himself. Right. But What that means, (laughs) stick with me here. The New Testament has a story, okay? Like it got written at a certain point in a certain time by certain people. Right. 
I'm of the mind that there's reason for all of that. Like this is a pastor addressing a congregation, maybe that he planted or maybe that he pastored for a while and he sees what's happening and what's going on there. And so he's trying to deal with it and help them. He's trying to free them. He's literally trying to set them free. That's all of what this book is about. But in so doing, you you see things come out of this, like this phrase, I just, we're all the humdinger here. Entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior will be richly provided to you in this way, <laughs> right? We're all like, wait, what? That's in no small part something that got misinterpreted and misused. And that then I think the gospel writers heard and knew about, and that impacted how they wrote their gospels. So if you're hearing me, I think there's a possibility that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in certain parts of their writing, how they organized it, the words that they chose, how it all fit together, is in response to the misuse of this text mm. <laughs> and the teachings that were going around in the church at the time. Um, and maybe that's an overstatement, but you can't write it off completely. Like this is a living breathing community of people all over the region and beyond. Yeah. And they don't have Bibles. They don't have denominations. They don't have anything other than Peter who fought with Paul over licentiousness, mm -hmm. legalism. Okay. So there's a backstory on those guys. Do you remember Jesus lovingly, probably more than anybody had to rebuke Peter a lot um yeah peter is who god had to convince with a crazy dream that eating pork won't get you sent to hell yeah right nor Where he eating, said, no. nor eating with the gentiles <laughs> exactly he's like look right. don't he says to peter your problem peter is that you're calling unclean what i made clean yeah past tense let that. that sit on the interpretation of what we're doing here. This is this character's backstory. Now, here's another one. I also do that Paul had to call out for being racist. Okay, you, you're, you're pulling it right out from under me. That's it. Like Paul called yeah. him out to his face, it says in Galatians 2, 2 verse 11. Go check it for yourself. Paul calls Peter out for pulling back from eating with Gentiles. Yep. <laughs> and Peter's supposed to be the, the apostle to the Gentiles. He says in Acts. So right. Paul's essentially saying to Peter, hey, man, how can you demand that all these unreligious folks take up the religion that you yourself don't take up anymore? <laughs> what, what's going on here, Peter? And oh, man, it's fascinating. Paul says in that moment that Peter is self-condemned. Yeah. Who's who's going to work that one out logically? Like, are we saying Peter's going to hell in that moment and he wasn't before and then he's not afterward? Like, he's no. self-condemned? And I'm not Jesus, that there right? And I'm just saying there's no condemnation, right, from him. But I love the word self in there. You know, it's almost like a blast against what he himself is declaring. He's not yeah. seeing the utter hypocrisy in what he what he's espousing here. Yep. That these people over here need to do these things to belong. And then even if they do that, well, they're still secondary because they don't share the same bloodline, you know what I mean, as I do. AKA, once again, going back to the garden, 
We've got a human who's trying to define their identity independent of, of God himself and the solidarity that we all find together in that common humanity. So what do we do? Well, in this fear, we have this desire to make much of ourselves. We have to start drawing lines. And that's where you get racism and classism and sexism and every other ism there is in there. And I'm just going to go yes. ahead and say it. Even things like patriotism and nationalism can become really ugly things very quickly. Yeah. Because it becomes, once again, one more thing that we're defining ourselves with. And Jesus will have no part of that. Because that is actually a myth, whatever you're defining yourself with, a myth that's taking you from the reality and the joy of him, a.k.a. you're self-condemning. Like there's, I'm just saying, you can really start to run down that road there. Yeah. But that I, I, I'm with you, dude, that this is Peter. And although he is loved and he is a, a disciple, was a disciple and an apostle, um, and God only uses frail, flawed people because that's all there is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we don't have any right reason to point our finger here. I do think there is a, a logical case in what you're making there, though, that you've got this early church. I think Jesus is coming back immediately. Well, he's not. And so you don't have no need for the Gospels yet, right? You still have plenty of eyewitnesses that are traveling around and making it known this good news of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the church, as in the one church in the world, is growing through all these facets and simple communal home gatherings, right? Anywhere and everywhere as the news spreads. And so you find, you start to find some false teaching. So you get first Peter. Well, then you start yep. to find some more false teaching. So then you get, guess where we are right now? Second Peter. <laughs> and then before long, right? You've got these eyewitnesses that are getting old and starting to die off. Jesus hasn't come back yet. Plus, you've got letters like this that are being misused, right? You've got a verse here that someone's taking in a way that contradicts all that Jesus has done and declared, mm -hmm. and therefore comes the need for the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? And yep. then other epistles. So anyhow, I just, I could, I can completely see that. And I've even found like within study of the scriptures and church history, you know, others have made this case as well. It's not like we're standing on some new some new ground here. Yeah. But all this said, where do you run now? Like where does someone run who's getting handed this verse as they're going on and declaring all that Jesus has said through 40 something parables? That is actually not what Peter just said. Yep. Where, where, where do you go? We got to take the whole story, man. And again, a later writing the book of Acts, right? Luke wrote Luke and then Luke wrote Acts. And this is in Luke, or this is in the book of Acts. And this man, Peter's legacy here is a stunner, especially in light of everything we just talked about. Uh, he's talking to people who are still insisting on circumcision, according to the mm. law of Moses, for the Gentiles, right? So the Jews, Jesus was a Jew. He came and saved the whole world but also the Jews, but also the Gentiles. So all right. your Jewish teachers and apostles are trying to figure out, well, how do we take this faith and save Gentiles, the people that aren't like us, the people that don't do circumcision, people that don't even know the law of Moses? What do we do with them, right? And Peter's been through that debate a few times by now. <laughs> so he yeah. says this in Acts 15. 
Why are you putting God to the test by placing on the neck of the disciples a yoke that neither our ancestors nor we have been able to bear? We believe that we will be saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus, just as the Gentiles will. Period. <laughs> okay. Full stop. So the story of Peter has an arc. <laughs> the story of Peter, uh, you have to let that be a part of your interpretation of these epistles from Peter. Um, you can read all of this is in a hole and ask Jesus himself. You don't even have to like read your Bible, please ask the spirit to lead you. Ask Jesus, what am I to do with this? Because you say I'm free. This makes me feel not free. I'm going to go ahead and assume that's my problem, not you placing a problem in front of me. That's mm. what I want to tell people to do. Like, and Good here's the, here's the warning. There is a warning in here. Just like people can use Paul to get to licentiousness and build that whole false world, so you can use Peter to get to legalism and build a false world and live a false faith and do something that runs completely counter to who you are as a human, who's made by a God who loves you, who refuses to condemn you. Um, this, this is what we have in front of us and you got to keep this in mind. I'll take this one to the bank any day. And I think you can too. If your works can do nothing to save you, <clears throat> excuse me. If your works can do nothing to save you in the first place, which is not unclear. I think we all agree with that. Then your works can do nothing to get you unsaved either. Literally, as Paul says throughout all his epistles, sins, authority and jurisdiction to condemn you it has been ended it doesn't exist anymore you're gonna still sin but there's no condemnation there can't be because of jesus so you can rest and be at ease knowing that that's true and this freedom that peter and paul agree on that's what we're after that life of actually taking that freedom seriously <laughs> yeah right yeah i mean galatians we've talked about it a lot but you know chapters five and six is, i mean it's just it's clear paul makes a point a few times for circumcision all of your law keeping right uh legalism peter or uncircumcision right um as in your non-religion your licentiousness as you said yep. earlier paul Neither one of these things count for anything, but only, only a new creation, a new creation brought about by Jesus. That's what counts. Yep. That's what trumps all these things. Yep. And John three, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, right? but in order that the world might be saved through him. Hmm. Yeah. John and, and so, Peter were both following Jesus on dusty dirt roads, man. Um those are Jesus's words, right? I did not come to condemn. Did not come to condemn, but, but to, to save. save. Yeah. That's it, man. Yeah, man. Wow. So somebody comes up to you, okay, and says, Yeah, Jameson, I hear everything you're saying, but 
you know, in, in second Peter, it talks about making every effort to prove yourself with good works. That, that seems to be at odds with Jesus saying the will of God is that you trust in the son, that you find your very life, your very existence in the son and live in that trust. What, what what do I do with what do I do with this person, Peter? You got one minute. What are you saying to him? I'm gonna say don't, they don't need go. to they need to flip their whole concept of the passage. The one who's not convinced of your own freedom is you. So all of these things, they're not convincing God to set you free. They're ways that you can actually take him up on freedom. Uh, look at the list again. Look at the list again. What does it say? Faith, support faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with mutual affection, and mutual affection with the crown of love. Man, that list is, if that's a bar, you're out. <laughs> but if that's a list of promises... Of hey, this is yeah. what freedom looks like, and you're probably not going to be convinced that you're free until you give these a try. <laughs> mm. Let these sear on you and on your mind and on your conscience. Like these are for you. Everything needed for godliness has been given. Given. Yeah, that's a gift. Flip yeah. the script gift. on it. No, it's it's huge. Given past tense. Gift. Right, something that you receive, not something that you earn, not something that you buy, not something that you pay back. It's a gift that's been yeah. given, past tense. It's everything. And the word there is let. Let this be. Let this freedom have its way in you because there's so much beauty in all these things. It does yeah. not say go achieve this list, which by the way is impossible. Paul's already made that clear. You even quoted him earlier when you were reading in his response to Peter. But instead, no, let these things be as freedom takes root in you. Yep. I love it. Don't it's one more last thing of what's it's the opposite of what's always being used against us. That's what Peter's saying. Go ahead. Yep. It's this like I think Paul and Peter pull the same punches. <laughs> because if you read this first verse, first second Peter 1 3, and then you read Ephesians 1 3, Paul says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, and so on and so forth. They are rooting their entire arguments on the same thing. Uh, who yes. has blessed us, not who will bless us. Yeah. Yep. Again, who has. Past tense. Come on. Blessed. <laughs> E-D. such past tense. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah. It's I called a gift. That called yep. a gift yeah amen man well yeah cheers to this good news in light of what freedom really looks like and couldn't be if we'll just let it be man mm -hmm. yep cheers amen to that dude